Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, this is a very, very, very special moment for me because I get to interview a fellow Paul Mitchell School owner and a very, very dear friend of my husband husband and I were friends with both Dale Jones and Kimberlyn Jones. And today I have Dale Jones on. So welcome, Dale, to the podcast. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we're looking for this um, session with you. It's going to be great. Absolutely. And I did have an opportunity to interview you and several other people yes. actually right after uh, George Floyd was murdered. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it really opened my eyes to so many things that were happening, not only in our country, but right. it also opened my eyes to things that were happening in my business. And I, I almost feel like I'm not even where I want to be even right. since that conversation. So right. I still know I need to push the needle. But first and foremost, I want to tell you who Dale Jones is. He's a business owner. He's a motivational speaker. He's a leadership coach. He is a pastor. And that's something that I just absolutely love about yeah. Dale. And I had the opportunity to actually go hear him speak at his church quite a few years ago. And Dale, you may not know this, but that message still rings true in my mind. And I still hear that message. And actually you talked a lot about Luke 638. Yes. Give and it shall be given to you. And that since then became my life verse. And I thought that's that's me. That's who I am. That's how my dad and my mom raised me. And, and so when you speak, people listen. And I just, I, you guys are going to love Dale Jones. Um, first of all, he is the president and CEO of Kings Group LLC, a kingdom-based developmental firm designed to assist individuals in developing and launching their own business enterprise. I do want to talk about that today too, yeah. Dale, but um, as I mentioned, he's an owner of Paul Mitchell Schools, three of them in Tennessee. And then his previous, he also owns two salons, by the way, and his previous corporate experience included positions with United Healthcare as senior vice president and COO, provider, network, and president and CEO of GE Clinical Services, which we're going to talk about here as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, what I love, again, is that in 2005, that you left your corporate career to become a pastor to um, to follow your leadership call there. And then in 2013, uh, you became a John Maxwell certified coach of which you coach pastors as well as business leaders to become more effective leaders. And as I mentioned, you're married to, to Kimberlyn Jones and the father of two incredible children, Dale Jr. and Whitney. So Dale, first I have to ask you um, because I was so interested in your company that you have as a CEO of the Kings Group LLC, a kingdom-based developmental firm. Talk yeah. about that. Like, what do you, what do you do with that company? Well, essentially, what we want to do with that and what we've been doing is to really help others um, to launch their business and to to really help them but how to lead in the marketplace. For me, um, there's nothing more important uh, than leadership, right? Um, everything rises and falls with leadership. And if I can get people to understand the importance um, of leading, um, and I really started that at church, right? 
I started the conversation around um, leadership and, and how Christ led. Um, and, and that really most of Jesus's time was spent in the marketplace, right? You didn't find him very often in the synagogue at all. He spent most of his time and most of his parables were marketplace related um, parables, right? A farmer went out to sow, a fisher, a fisherman went out to, to fish and, and he's given all of these marketplace scenarios. Um, and so Christ was more marketplace driven than he was, you know, going to a physical building where he was having a, having a church. And so while he was out, um, you know, with his followers, he he's gathering fish and, and loaves of bread and making miracles, right? And so again, for, for him, it was all about leading in the marketplace because that's where we live every day. We don't spend a lot of time in church. We live our lives every day. And so the principles of the gospel, it's really about how do you live your life, right? And how do you lead others that are around you? And leadership, again, is not about, you know, power or position or control. It's about influence. How do you influence other people? You know, how do you make them better? And so, you know, that's what it's all about for me. And so whenever we, we decided to launch this business, it, it was really all about how do we help people to navigate the, the waters of um, starting up a business and um, giving them resources to help them uh, to come become better at what they want to do. And so uh, it's been quite successful for us to see other people grow and just blossom. I love that so much. That's incredible. Uh, and, you know, that's something that I've always, a side note, I've always thought, how come the church isn't leading the way and helping people to become better leaders? Right. It's, all, it's had to be outsourced. You even right. see with John C. Maxwell, right. he even had to outsource out, out, outside of his own church, right. you know, to be able to make this leadership happen. And, and so today we're going to be actually talking about inclusion. And the interesting thing is, is the Paul Mitchell schools, they have what we call the golden rules and they just added on a golden rule called inclusion. Right. And I thought what better person to be able to help us understand of what it means to be inclusive and why you should be diverse and inclusive in your companies. And, yeah. and so I'm super excited to dive into this and yeah. I want to roll up our sleeves and just get raw and real today with our listeners today, because I think this is an area that, that leaders are paralyzed in, including myself. I've yeah. been very paralyzed, not knowing what to do and, and trying to find the right people to speak into myself and my leaders to help us understand this issue. So, so let's dive in. <laughs> yeah, let, let's dive in. I, I think you, you've got some statistics around businesses and, and how they have fared with um, diversity. Why don't you share some yeah. of that with us, um, Tina, because I think that yeah. would be a great place to start. It's incredible because I was, I thought, okay, I'm just going to Google it, like how to be, you know, more diverse and more inclusive in the business market. And it's interesting because we use indeed.com for, to find people in our, in our businesses. And they actually have articles after articles of different, um, different uh, surveys that they've done. And so it's incredible what I found. And so we're going to kind of share some of those, but it kind of spiraled out of my own 
uh, challenges that I had in my company. So right after this social unrest, you know, emotions were super high on all sides. And, and uh, one of my team members, um, I, I went to uh, our leaders and told them, hey, I want to have a more diverse company. I want to be able to figure this out. Like, let's figure it out together. And uh, her emotions were really high, uh, blew up at me and said, if you do that, it'll be, it'll be reverse discrimination. Basically she said to me and, um, and she, she ended up inadvertently getting fired for that and several other reasons, but we just knew she wasn't a good fit in our company. And it turned really ugly on social media. It was, it led to like high anxiety and stress for me. I would literally was vomiting. It was, it was a horrible situation, but it really, woke me up to realize, wow, leaders across the nation are paralyzed. And I, yes. I realized that more and more, which I thought was really crazy. But um, indeed.com, I mean, I'll give you three areas that they're saying they did a survey that there's actually an increase in profits and productivity when you have a more diverse and inclusive workforce. And I'm living proof of this yes. because I have seven companies, one of which is the most diverse, Dale, that, mm -hmm. is the, uh, that actually produces the most money in mm -hmm. all of my companies. Yes. yes. And I was like, wow, there we go. Just drop the mic. <laughs> and, you know, I spent a lot of time, so I've got two um careers, if you will, right? One with um, corporate world, uh, where I spent um, quite a bit um, with GE and with United Healthcare. And then now as an entrepreneur, as um, I, I own several Paul Mitchell schools and salons. And the experience is, is quite similar in terms of building a diverse time. And so for me, when I was with GE, um, my goal was to always have a diverse team because one, uh, we were serving a diverse market, right? If you're gonna play in a diverse market, then you need to get the opinions of people that are in those markets, right? And so um, if I've got, if we're serving African-American market, Hispanic and so on and so forth, then I need to hear from them, not through a survey, but hear real life experience from them, making them a part of the team, right? And so um, when, when you set out to really create a diverse team, you really have got to be intentional because you've got to create a psychologically safe space for people, right? Because if they don't feel safe, then they, they won't contribute. All right. So they won't feel that they contribute in a, in a space that they don't feel safe. And so psychologically, they have to feel safe or else they'll, they'll feel that their capacity is diminished. They will not bring their best selves to the table if they don't feel safe. And their voice will be stifled if, again, you don't create that safe space. So for me, it was all about how do we create a, a safe space? Uh, so we had to create the business imperative for why is this necessary for us to build a, a diverse team, right? And so I would recommend that every person who's thinking about how do I diversify my team, I will challenge you to think about why is it important to you? Why is it important to your business mm -hmm. for you to have a diverse team? Right, because if there's not a business imperative, then that change will not take hold. Right, so the need to change must override the collective will to remain the same. 
And so if the will to change, to change um, or the need to change doesn't override the will to stay the same, then you'll be stuck in status quo, right? And so, you know, at GE, we went through what we call uh, the change acceleration process. Right? And the first thing we learned at GE was that you, you've got to create a vision or a need to change that's going to override any reason for you to remain the same, right? And that, that's so important. And then you, you have to then act, right? Once you've created that imperative, you've got to act, you've got to bring your team together and get your team on board, right? Because if the team is not on board, um, and oh, by the way, if you're creating the vision, then your leaders, your leadership have got to be part of that um, vision creation, right? So if you're going to cast a vision, right, you've got to make sure that, that the folks there that are with you, that you're counting on to drive the change, that they're 100% behind you or else that, then you, you will get those backlashes, right? You'll get uh, people with their own personal opinion. And this is where we want to take the personal out of business, right? And yeah. get back to why is it necessary for us to do that? And at, at some point, right, if people are not willing to, to um, embrace the vision, just like anything else, if people aren't gonna embrace your vision, then they're not the right fit for your company. Right, so you've got to be able to make those yeah. decisions as well. That okay, well, it was a good ride up until now. Right now, the company's going in a different direction, and if they can't um, go in that direction with you, then you've you've got to figure out how to make that change. Um, whenever I hear people talk about reverse discrimination, I always tell folks it says, if it's a reverse discrimination, then you're admitting that what came before it is discrimination. Right? And if you're admitting that it was discrimination uh, prior, then um, you don't have to reverse it in order to stop it, right? You can stop the discrimination without doing it on the flip side, right? And so, yeah, our goal is how do we stop the discrimination? Sometimes it's not discrimination. So, you know, I've been a Republican for a long time. So I've, I've been able to navigate the waters of Democratic and Republican um, sometimes it's not, it has nothing to do with discrimination, but comfort. Right? Yeah. That people are more comfortable comfort. in a particular space. Exactly. Yeah. And so as long as I'm comfortable and when I, I, and when I feel uncomfortable, then I start behaving in, in a odd kind of way. Right? Yeah, so, I think that's uh, the challenge, Dale. And I think it goes back to if you're not inclusive, then you're clicky. Yes. And as a human being, human beings are kind of clicky, right? Yeah. And also they love, like you said, comfort, you know, even I'll go to church or right. anywhere and I sit in the same exact seat every single exactly. time. Exactly. Right. You know, I, I, I was a um, student was a long time ago, so I'm dating myself now. I'm 60 <laughs> years old. But, but when I was a uh, student council president in high school, I would go into my cafeteria. Right. And of course, what I'm going to find is all the African-American on one side and all the white students on the other side. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm, I'm like, OK, I'm going to sit right in the middle of everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. To try to bring inclusion. So yes. from a very young age for me, it was all about bringing um, inclusion and making people feel comfortable. Right. Um, I grew up in, in Jamaica, West Indies. I, I probably didn't um, share that at the very beginning. So my experience is quite different. Um, mm -hmm. How I was raised is quite different. The way my, my parents talked about racial issues is quite different, right? And so for me, uh, when I came to the United States and uh, 
we settled down in Whiteville, North Carolina. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. So yes, Whiteville, North Carolina. Whiteville. <laughs> and, uh, so, but for me, again, I, I didn't make it a, a black and white issue. You know, it was all about how do you create friends? How do you um, embrace what's good and best in people? Right. And, um, and very early, because there was no chip on my shoulder, right, people then began to embrace me as a person. Um, and so I didn't see a lot of that initially. And perhaps I was a little blind to it because I wasn't looking for it, perhaps. Right. And so I, I was able to um, kind of gel into the community real quickly, even with, with my school uh, students. And um, again, rose to be the, I was president of sophomore class, then president of the student council, um, one of few blacks that was there at the time. And again, for me, it was understanding why people felt so um, odd or uncomfortable with being with others. Because I was an outsider, um, both sides will talk to me, right? So, So both blacks and whites will talk with me. And ironically, we, we had a big racial war um, or fight at our school. And I was sitting on the wall wondering, why are these people doing this? Mm. Right? And, uh, but again, it was because they were unwilling to talk with each other. Mm-hmm. They were unwilling to just engage, right? Yeah. And so again, when, when you kind of stand off from each other, right? And you see the other person as the other, right? That, then it's hard for you to understand their lived experience. And yeah. so um, even at times when people um, want to share, talk with me about, okay, so tell me about the experience as, as an African-American. I'm like, well, um, do you really want to get deep into the lived experience? Because that's a total different conversation than a conversation about how I overcame, right? Because the lived experience is quite different, right? And so again, for me, um, as a business person, I want to understand how my business is going to be better as a result of um, diversity and inclusion in my organization. And again, as you just said, um, the data is clear. clear. <laughs> right? Yeah. Love, you know, it's one clear. of our leaders in Paul Mitchell will, will tell us all the time, right? He says, in God we trust, everybody else bring data. Exactly. <laughs> right? So, yeah, it, look it, at look at your business. Is it profitable? It is it where it wants to be? Then if not, consider this. And you you hit the nail on the head, really, Dale, is that as a leader, our job is to make people feel safe, mm-hmm. heard, and validated. Mm-hmm. And and you can't do that unless you first understand them and right. what type of culture that perhaps that they've been brought in up in so that you can honor them as a person right. and their journey. And so kind of talk about that because, and then I also want to dive into um, the fact that you'll also have improved reputation for your business and yeah. survey says mm. improved reputation because people desire and also reduced employee turnover because people desire desire companies that are inclusive because there's higher morale and they're more productive and so on and so forth. And so, and it has everything to do with leadership here, period. Right. But let's talk about that because I think that's something that we need to kind of touch on and why as a leader, you need to invest in yourself to be able to make this happen for your people. 
So a couple of things, you know, so we, we know the data. The data says about 55% of people want to move on and want a place to work where it's diverse. Um, tragically, when you think about 55%, 45% don't, right? And so you've got to deal with the 45% as well. Um, but I think the reason why 55%, and I think it's it, it may be greater than, than that, um, I think so. is mm -hmm. because people want to move on. From, from where we've been, right? Yes. And, and they, they, they wanna be able to, to interact with who they want to interact with yes. without any stigma attached to it, without any kind of cloud um, attached to interacting with somebody that may not look like that. And people wanna be comfortable in that space. And most of our young people, that's where they are, right? Uh, they, they, they're at a place where, you know what? Okay, I got that, I got the slavery thing, all of that stuff. Right now, it's all about how do I move forward from here and how do I create a better future for me and my family, right? And that's where the, the majority of Americans are today. They want to know how to move ahead. And so, um, again, for me, it's all about how do we create a safe space for people to be themselves and not, not trying to be somebody else. Because what we want in diversity is not for everybody to be the same. We want diversity and we believe in the idea and the ideals of diversity, which means that you are different. Yes, that's what I want. Do not change because I need that diverse voice. Yeah. Tell me what I need to do as a business in order for me to get better, right? Um, to stay in the status quo is to, is to stay where you're comfortable all the time. I always tell people, I says, um, greatness and great ideas live between the obvious and the absurd, right? The mm -hmm. obvious is, man, I just want to, you know, be comfortable. The absurd is, man, yes, let, let's push the envelope a little bit yeah. and let's get to greatness. Because greatness, you don't just fall into it, right? It has to be intentional. And mm -hmm. so if I want to move my business from good to great, right, then I, I have to be willing to stretch. And if I'm going to stretch, right, I've got to stretch long enough so that I lose the elasticity between, you know, with my with my rubber band, right? It's like pulling a rubber band. If you, if you pull it once and let it go, it's going to go back to where it's always been. You want to create a system and a process in your business where it doesn't go back. So change in your system, change in your personnel, um, HR, processes and rules and all of those things that are so important so that we don't go back to where, where we've been. Um, so again, um, it's important to me that, that we create a safe space, right? I'm yeah. not sure if I answer all of those questions for you, um, Tina. That's so true. And, you know, I tell you, it's interesting you say that because people want to move on from where they've been. It was actually quite a few years ago. I actually had to leave my sleepy little town church and right. go into a bigger city that mm -hmm. embraced more diversity. And I didn't realize that I was actually doing that, Dale. Um, mm -hmm. But I just, I knew there's something different about this church, you know, and obviously it's the leadership, right? right? It was the leadership in the church, but they are also, I love that you said greatness is intentional. And I think yeah. that's the key point here that we need to make here. How can we be intentional in this and, and create a diverse you know, business? Right. And so let's talk about that. Because when I first came to you after this all happened, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, right. I didn't realize I was doing this. Like right. I had to look in the mirror and say, Tina, 
you need to change as a leader and be more intentional here. And you said to me that you have a, a little system with a cream in your coffee and coffee in your cream. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah, you know, and so my, my team know that for me, it's all about making sure that we create the right balance in our school, right? And again, to make sure that um, we kind of mirror what the community looks like, mm -hmm. right? And so if I'm gonna be in a community that's 90% white, then I'm gonna mirror that community, mm -hmm. right? If they're 10% black, then I'm gonna mirror that. If it's vice versa, whatever that community looks like, that's mm -hmm. what I wanna mirror in my business. Because in order for me to have people to come and work for me that are from different background, different um, race, then they need to be able to see themselves somehow. Not yeah. only in the rank and file of the company, but also in the leadership ranks of the company. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to see themselves because they need to know that they can grow, right? And be a part of the organization. And so at times whenever, um, you know, we're just moving along in our company, at times we will get slanted one way. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then I have these conversation with, with my staff and says, okay, uh, we need a little bit more cream in our coffee. <laughs> which means that we need to yeah we're, we're getting you know too many african-americans then we, we need to make sure that we're we're better balanced in our company and then we need some more coffee in our cream right we've got too many on the other side we need to get as balanced as we can be again trying to mirror what the community looks like and then by doing that again you're creating an environment where everybody feels safe and everybody feels a place where they belong and when yeah. they feel that they belong, then they contribute. When they feel they belong, then, then their capacities never diminish by their presence in your company. They wanna be there. They wanna grow. They wanna be the very best that they can be in your organization, right? And so, so important that, again, you have to be intentional about always paying attention to what's going on. Because again, even some leaders will, will just gravitate towards their comfort zone. And the idea that that somehow, okay, so you want me then to, to reverse discriminate. If somebody comes into my company and they're of a certain, if they're white and you want an African-American, then I, I don't hire that white person. He says, that's not how we hire in the first place. The way we hire is that we go out and we get several candidates. Right. So we, we put out here, here are the job descriptions um, for, for this job. And um, yeah, and then we get several people to come in and, and we look at them. We narrow it down to about three or four people. My thing is if I'm looking for a particular person um, and I'm narrowed down to three people then I pick the person that I'm looking for, right? It's, it's, no, no, it's no different than if you're on a basketball team and I'm looking for a point guard and a seven foot person that comes in, I'm not gonna hire that person because they're a center. I'm not looking for a center. I'm looking for a point guard. Wow. So when I'm looking for a particular person that can bring a different experience to my team, it is okay for me to hire for that experience that I lack today, right? And so the idea of reverse discrimination, we, we do this every day when it comes to how do I bring the right talent on my team, right? So you look at what am I missing, right? Uh, what voice am I not hearing on my team? And um, how do I make sure that I bring that on the team? 
So good. And, you know, one of the things that I did right from the get go is we actually went and looked at the demographics, you know, to see how many Hispanics, how many Asians, how many, you know, African Americans, and then um, obviously Caucasian. And so kind of looking at that, and like you said, you can mirror the demographics and just Google it, you Google your area and find out. And so we did that. And I think this is so, so powerful. And let's talk about implementing a, a recruiting strategy for diversity. Like, what would you recommend for a business to start with this? And I know you said start with the leader, obviously. So hopefully we're talking to the leader in the companies. If not, send them this podcast so they can listen to this podcast and utilize Dale and I to be able to help you with this. I'm still learning mm -hmm. to make this happen in my companies. Dale's been mentoring me and coaching me through this process. So what's step number one? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, and, and I'll get to step number one. People always come to me and ask me, how do you find diverse people? <laughs> <laughs> and right. You know, it, it always baffles me. But again, I think it starts with um, with that leader and that leader being convinced that diversity yes. Um, is a business imperative for me. And if you're convinced of that, then, you know, we attract what we seek after, right? And so if that's something that you're seeking after, then you'll begin to attract that, right? And so I, I start with, are, are we convinced as a team that this is what we want? Because what, once we're convinced, then it becomes obvious around us, right? It's amazing sometimes, you know, um, I used to drive a gray car for a long time, and then I bought a black car. And then every, almost every car that was around me was black. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. And, and, and it's not that all of a sudden the car colors change. It's now I'm more aware. Yeah. Right. I'm now more aware of, of my surroundings. Before it was kind of oblivious to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so once you become intentional, then it becomes obvious, right? And the people that are around you, wow, why did I see that person before? Why did I not see that person before? Now it becomes so obvious to you, right? And you develop a, a job description that, that then attract everybody to you, right? You wanna keep a Love very that. high standard, right? In your organization. So I don't, I don't hire down, <laughs> never do because I want a championship team every single time on the field, right? And I will never compromise a championship team. Wow. You will not win championship without a championship team, right? And so if that's my intentions, then that's what I'm seeking after. And I don't care if you're blue, green, or black, right? For me is, do you have the heart of a champion? Right? So when I interview, regardless of who that person is, do you have the heart of a champion? And can you bring that dynamic to my organization so that you can make me better? Right. And so if that's what I'm looking for and I'm, and I'm not looking for the comfort, right? Because I think I've, my leadership is strong enough to help my team navigate whatever discomfort they, that they may have. Right. And if I believe it enough, Right. Then the conversations that I have with my team, right, it's it's all about how do we move in one particular direction. Well, I'll tell you, we hardly have conversation about race in my company. 
I can't remember the last time I had one. I'm trying to think right now, <laughs> right? When is the last time I've had one? Because it's just known that diversity for us is so powerful, right? And, and we see it every day. So again, it start, the first thing it starts with that leadership, right? Um, are you convinced that diversity um, is important for your organization? And do you believe in the ideals of diversity? And what, what I mean by that, mm -hmm. do you believe that you're better for it? Right? Because if you don't believe that, that, that you're better for it, it's now an experiment. And it's yeah. not fair to experiment with people. No. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's, it's an experiment. Let me try it. If it doesn't work, then I, I, I'll abandon it. You've got to be convinced that diversity is the way to go in your organization, that you need diverse voices, right? That I'm serving communities around me that, I, that are diverse. I need to make sure that I have that at the table with me, right? So that they can speak immediately when we're confronted with an issue, right? They can tell me what I need to do because that, that's their lived experience. I don't have that lived experience, right? But I need that in my organization. I'll give you a great example in the corporate world. Um, when I first, I became general manager and senior executive with GE as a um, sourcing general manager. And it's a worldwide, it was a worldwide position. And it was ironic to me that when I started the job, most of my global leaders were white men, mm -hmm. right? So I had white men stationed in um, Asia, I had white men stationed in, in Latin America, I had white men stationed in every crevice of the country as we were trying to globalize our sources. Mm. To me, that made no sense. And it was just so intuitive to me. And I didn't know it was a revelation for GE at the time. Right? Wow. And so for me, I went into the position and as I went from country to country, so I'll visit 35 countries in one year, right? And I'll meet with my team and talk about the progress that they were making with globalizing our, our material in different parts of the world. And so I go to Latin America and, and I meet with um, my, my American counterpart that's now trying to lead a Mexican Latin American team. Yeah. And they don't know how to navigate the culture. They don't know how to negotiate in that environment. Wow. And so immediately I started making that change. I need a national, a Mexican national person that can lead that effort in Latin America for us. And then I went to Asia and it was the same thing. I need an Asian person to lead that effort for us. I need somebody that, that knows how to navigate um, the Eastern block of Europe and the Western block of Europe and all across the globe. Right? And so we expatriate um, all of these people back to the United States and, and hired locally. And our, um, our results doubled wow. in one year. Wow. Our results doubled. Wow. Why? Because the people in those countries knew their countrymen. Mm -hmm. They knew business in that country. They, they knew how to navigate the culture. They knew in Mexico not to start a negotiation without having a meal, 
<laughs> right? We, we go, right. go to right. Mexico, okay, let's go, let's go. It's, it's that American, you know, attitude, let's go, right? And they're yep. looking at us like, what are you doing, mm. right? And so all of a sudden, our results start shifting dramatically. And all of a sudden, I was um, asked to speak at um, um, the, the, the meeting with the entire country about how to diversify our national team. That should be intuitive, but it was not, right? It was not intuitive that you cannot have Americans trying to navigate a team in Latin America and so on and so It just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But we do that because we're comfortable. We're comfortable with that person that we're sending to Asia or Latin America or whatever the case might be, right? Um, and so we were able to demonstrate by diversifying, again, it's not a matter of black and white. The issue is what community are you serving? Mm -hmm. And how do you be relevant in that community and having the voice at the table that will tell you how to best navigate, right? And that's what it was all about. So we saw a dramatic change, <laughs> dramatic re results as a result of just doing the right thing, right? And not just stick with our comfort zone, right? Push the envelope a little bit and all of a sudden we saw a dramatic changing. Yeah, and I think we have a long way to go in, even in the beauty industry with this. And, you know, you, you see it all over the whole country, but it also has something to do like with the way that people want to practice business or how do they want to run their business as well right. too. And so the different culture set up. So what, what is the, what's the solution here, Dale? Like what, how can we implement the recruiting strategy for diversity in our company? So in the salon world, the school world, what is your recommendation? Yeah. So in the school world for me, it, it really is about um, understanding what do we, what's the need on the team? What do we need to have on the, the team? And then we go out to seek what we need on the team. Again, nothing yeah. similar to any organization um, that you, you need this kind of person, you need a, a specialist in this area or specialist in another area, let's go find that specialist. If I need somebody that, that can speak the language in a particular area or community or group of people, um, then I, I need to, to go out and, and hire for that. So essentially what, what, what I do is um, have my team, uh, again, to start working out at bringing people um, or, or candidates that are from a diverse slate. I do not allow them to bring a slate of candidates to me that is not diverse. So let's just start there, <laughs> right? That's good, that's so, good. Yeah, say uh, that again. I'll, yeah, and so I will not allow my team to bring a, a slate of candidates that are not diverse, mm -hmm. right? And I need for you to vet them out. I need for them to be the best at what they do, right? And bring them all to me, right? And then once we have vetted them out and I've got a diverse slate of people, right? Then I'm gonna pick the person that's the best fit for the team and meet the need of the team at that time. Right, and so it's never the case of we're picking pick, picking somebody that's inferior, right? Because everybody we have a level set, all of them, everybody's got the same skill level, um, and now it's all about how do we find the right fit in our company. It takes a little bit more time, right? Again, you've got to be intentional about it, 
It takes a little bit more time, but greatness, you don't just fall into greatness. You don't just trip into it, right? You've got to be intentional about it. It'll take a little bit more work. As I said, greatness is, it, it lives between the, the, the obvious and the absurd. And so you, you've got to go beyond the obvious, right? And make it work for your company. You've, they're out there. Diverse people are out in your community, right? And you, you, you've got to decide as a leader that I want those people in my company, right? Yeah. And you insist that, that your team find them, bring them to me, right? Vet them out so that when, when, I, when I choose, it's not choosing from a slate of, um, you know, the same kind of people that I've always seen, right? And so it, it really is about starting with the slate of people that you've got. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. And that was one of the recommendations with the indeed.com article that I read and it just said encouraging your employees to make diverse referrals. And so it's interesting uh, because I noticed a lot of companies don't have a written plan for hiring. And so this should be part of the written plan Mm -hmm. and discussed often, of course, with your leaders. And so let's kind of talk about a little bit more on this because um, also the other recommendation that they had, Dale, was to highlight your commitment to diversity on your website, especially in your careers and jobs section. Mm-hmm. So how important is that to you? And do you do that? And do you recommend that as well? Yeah, I, I, again, be, because um, we want to demonstrate to people that we value uh, their input in our organization. Mm-hmm. And so on our website, they'll see our team. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so they'll see a diverse team. And so automatically, um, as they see a diverse team, they want to be a part of that, right? Um, So if I'm starting without a diverse team, um, how do I get started then on my website, right? And so uh, that's when I, I, I put out in black and white that we're looking for a diverse team. We're looking for, we're all about inclusion, right? We want to create our mission statement that it's very clear about inclusion, diversity, this is who we are, right? So you've got a flash on every screen, every social media, tell them who you are, tell them what you're about, right? If you're not there yet, keep saying it, right? And as people read your mission statement, read about um, um, what you're about and what you wanna accomplish and achieve, right? Then they will believe you and, and start gravitating towards your company. But over time, um, again, you, you, you've, gotta, you've gotta act, right? Yeah. If you do not act, then it will only become a, a smoke screen for them, right? They're just saying the words. They're not really committed to it. And so as people come in that are diverse and you make that commitment, um, and you're not gonna get it right every single time. Right. But make the commitment and don't back off of it. Right. You will get some superstars. And whenever you do. Right. You've got to make sure that they're they're front and center in your organization. So good. And yeah. And then the other recommendation that they gave, Dale, is training your hiring manager and your HR staff to avoid bias and recruitment. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it goes back to what you were talking about earlier is, exactly. you know, getting that commitment. And so what, so talk to the leader right now that, that doesn't have a strategy. They are just like, I don't even know what to say. Tell mm-hmm. them what to say to their team. Again, you know, with, with our team, 
uh, when we get everybody together, it really is about, okay, so do we look like our community, right? Do we look like that. that we're serving today, right? And so we start right there. And if the answer is no, then what are we going to do about it? Yeah. How are we going to serve this community better? Uh, by making sure that their voices are being heard um, in every area of our organization, right? And so we, we start with, okay, this is what we want. And this is what, what we say we absolutely ought to have in order for us to be successful and to be great. Um, do we look like that now? Okay. Are we committed to making sure that uh, we get those individuals on our team, right? And once I, I get those individuals that, that are the leadership in our organization saying absolutely yes, then that's when I hold them accountable. Yeah. Right? Then I hold them accountable for this is your commitment. This is not mine. This is your commitment. Mm -hmm. And um, so what are we doing about it? Right. And so I measure how they act towards their commitment. Right. Because if you're committed to something, um, I won't know if you're really committed if I'm not willing to measure uh, to see if we're making progress towards what we said we were going to do, right? And so it's not enough for you to tell me, yes, I'm committed. I want to see progress. I want to see, again, data, <laughs> right? Um, I trust God. Everybody else bring data. Let me see it. Uh, are we making a change in our organization, right? And so usually um, with that kind of commitment, and again, we talked about... Um, you know, that rubber band, that elasticity, you, you've got to literally um, stretch the elasticity out of that rubber band, right? Or, or the memory of going back to what you have, where you have been, right? Yeah. So as you begin to, from a HR standpoint, start looking at you, how you measure the organization, what are the key performance indicators in your company? Do they have diversity as a part of that key performance indicator? And if it's not, then no one is going to drive that, right? If, if the HR person, if their key performance indicator isn't all about how do we become diverse and uh, do we see that as a part of the persons that are hiring, um, then it, it will never change. It'll always go back to uh, what it's always been. And so again, uh, there's nothing like systems and processes and metrics that's going to help you with understanding exactly where you are and how do I measure to see if I'm getting what I'm, I'm told that I'm going to be getting, right? And oh, so that, that's the, the piece for me. If you don't measure it, um, you cannot improve what you don't measure. Yeah, you just can't. perfectly said. That's, that's such a leadership principle. And, and I love this so much. I actually envision people taking this podcast and having their team members listen to it. You know, they're key members listen to it and then say, what did you think of this podcast? What should we do? Like, what's our first step? What, what is your thoughts? And, and I also envision Dale, you know, a leader just saying, Hey, you know, I listened to this podcast and it opened up my eyes and I realized I'm not following this inclusive environment and I want to, and I, I don't know what to do, um, but can we figure it out together? And that's where the, the transparency is so important as a leader to be transparent because people know that you don't have it all together. Exactly. People know that you suck as a leader. And so that's okay. Tell them so they don't have to tell you in the back room, tell people in the back room behind right. your back, right? Tell them to their face, but then say, okay, I want to make a commitment here and, you know, a new commitment. And so let's resolve this. I almost see 
like uh, getting key people together in your company and doing a brainstorming and writing it down. And then let's come back to it. Mm -hmm. Dale, talk about, because one of the mistakes I may have made in the past as a leader, and sometimes I make it again and again, and that is where I don't stay with my team member long enough on a project. Mm -hmm. I kind of just give it to them and then just take off on vacation and uh, don't circle back. But how important is it as a leader uh, until someone really understands your vision with a project to right. stay with them instead of moving too far ahead of them? Yeah. And, and again, you know, we talked about the, the change acceleration process. How do I move quickly um, in making a fundamental change in my organization. So if, mm -hmm. if the change is all about how do I bring inclusion, diversity in my organization, then I'm again, I'm going to start with, um, and sometimes it may take just being humble about where we've been, right? Yeah. So listen, you know, as a leader, it's my responsibility and I just didn't take this serious enough. Yeah. Right. I, I was comfortable. And, um, and I realize now that um, comfort is not going to take us to the next dimension. It's not going to take us to the next level. And we, we absolutely have got to go to the next level or else we're going to be left behind. Yeah. And, and so if, if, if we're going to, to use the mantra that was, we've always done it this way, well, that, that's the last words of a failing company. Yeah. Right. And so how do I move from good to great? How do I get from where I am to getting to great? And so once I've convinced my team that, listen, I am sincere about this change that I want to make, and I need for you guys to come along with me, right? I believe in this team, and I know that you guys want the same thing that I want for this company, right? So let's sit down and talk about how do we get there. And you will start finding that champions will begin to emerge. And what I mean by that is that those people who are absolutely committed to that and heard the heart of their leader. Yeah, right? they will start gravitating around their leader and says, "How can I help?" I absolutely believe that that's the right thing for us to do. Those are your champions. Yeah, those who did not come to you and made that that commitment, then you don't need to include them in that inner circle kind of conversation. I love that. Right? Get yeah. your champions right, and you meet with your champions, and because your your champions, they know what's going on in your organization. Right. And so once you meet with your champion and you've kind of developed, OK, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to go about it. Then, then you've got to get key stakeholders in your company. Mm -hmm. Right. Who are those key stakeholders um, in HR, in whatever different functions in your organization? You know, so so if I'm in a plant, you know, who, who are going to be the people on the in the assembly group? Who is going to be the people in the factory area? Right. How do I bring all of those key stakeholders together to talk through how do we implement this and roll it out? Right. And so once I get my champions and, th and that's kind of my, you know, the group of people that I'm talking with every week. Right. Yeah. That I'm getting to the table every week. How are we doing? Right. Uh, are we making progress? What else do we need to do? What, what are some of the bumps in the road that we've, we've experienced? Right. How do we how do we pivot around that? Uh, those individuals or people who has your heart as a leader, right, and are willing to make that change with, those are your champion. And then the champions are attached to certain key stakeholders in that company, 
right? Who's going to make that change happen for you, right? And once you, you've got a, a group of people in your organization, then you become unstoppable yeah. because the, the key stakeholders and your champions are going to drive it. And you don't have to drive it anymore, right? Now I, I can watch those people who yeah. absolutely believe and I've created a champion for myself, right? They're going to drive that in your organization. And to, to be honest with you, that's how I've driven every change in GE and at United Healthcare, right? It's all about how do I get champions on board with me that absolutely understand the imperative of our, of our company and how do we move it forward with stakeholders, yeah. right? So th those are the things that I would recommend. So good. I, I love that so much. And we just had a mini summit and we were actually unrolling a, a new project that we're working on. And, and it's interesting because I find sometimes leaders get upset because maybe only two people come. I'm like, so what? So yeah. some will, some won't. So what? Just yeah. like our good friend, when Claybaugh says, you know, SW, 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 like let that go. At least you have two people right. interested in do this, you know, spend your time and your energy with them. What do you say about that, Dale, that SW, SW, SW? Cause I'm sure you have to say it a lot yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but I'll tell you at some point, that, that if I don't have a critical group of people with me, then the question I've got to ask myself is, do I have the right people? Yeah, team. exactly. I mean, and because it's going to get to that point, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get to that point because I've been going in, in a particular direction for a long time. Now I'm pivoting. I'm making a change. The question is, is everybody going to go along with me? And the answer to that is, 45% may not, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Right? We're talking about the 55% and the 45%. Yep. Exactly. You may get some of the, the, the 45% if you articulate the change in a, in a convincing manner, right? Uh, but you're going to have those. We know in any organization that you're going to have 20% that are visionaries, 30% um, that, that are resistors, and 50% that are, are fence sitters. Right. You want to get the fence sitters on with the visionaries. Yeah. So at best, you probably get 70% of the organization. You're still doing good, right? If I can get my visionaries, that 20%, they can lead my organization. Yeah. Right? If I can, can get a critical mass of 20% that are, that are committed to the change, then I need to start building my team. I need to start making some adjustments in my team. Uh, so that I can bring people on that absolutely understand the importance of what we're trying to do. Right? Agreed. And it doesn't matter, you know, what, what initiative you're trying to yeah, start in your company. Mm -hmm. It's all about this. And, you know, I always tell my, uh, my business owners that I coach, which is mainly salon owners. Right. And I just, just get one person to believe in your vision. Just one person. And, and so once you do that, it seems to get easier and easier. And hey, you never know, you might make them your business partner someday, that one person, right, right as you move forward. And, and so as we start to kind of wrap things up here, and I, I love what you were talking about getting the, the meetings and the key stakeholders and Something that I've learned, you know, from John C. Maxwell is having the meeting before the meeting, Yes. getting people on board before actually having this meeting. And so can you talk about that, like the importance of that before you roll something like this out so that you don't like freak everybody out? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and those are your champions, right? Yeah. Those are the guys that you're meeting before the big meeting. 
Those are the folks that, that are, are going to give you the energy as a leader and you need it. Exactly. You, you, yeah. you absolutely need it. You, you need people to come along and say, I believe in your vision. I think this is the best thing for our organization, right? And it's those individuals that you wanna, you wanna get around you uh, that, that's going to act in your best interest and the company's best interest, right? Yeah. And all they want is the, the best interest of the company. And so with, with, with that, I'm always meeting with this group of people to make sure, are we heading in the right direction? Are we going too fast? Are we going too slow? Uh, are we going way too left or should we, you know, go, go slant it a little bit, right? Because that, that they are committed with you. They're going to be honest with you, right? Mm -hmm. And um, if we need, to, we need to pull back just a little bit um, because we, we've got some minefields down there that we need to clear out, uh, then, yeah, then sure. we'll, we'll make those adjustments, right? Um, so you, you absolutely need you know, that team to come together before the big reveal, if you will, um, to the organization that this is what we want to do, right? Because guess what? Um, all of those individuals that's in the meeting are going to go to that. What do you think, right? And so you need for them, to, you need to know what they're going to say before they get the question. Exactly. Right? And so if they already understand exactly where to go, as people come to them and say, well, what do you think? Yeah, do you think it's a great idea? I think it's a, an incredible idea. Yeah. Oh, you do? Well, tell me more, right? You need those individuals on board with mm. you because they're going to make that change go much smoother for you in the long run. Yeah. And I feel like people are listening to this, Dale, and saying, this is a lot simpler than I thought, you know? And so I think this is incredible. What a great interview. And, you know, I think the, the biggest key point that you made is weekly check-ins. And that's the most important piece here. You know, how are we doing? How can we do better? What do we need to shift? What do we need to do different? And as a leader, you got to ask those great questions. And I hear that coming from you. And, and I love that. First of all, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you, Dale, to get involved in some of your executive coaching that you're doing? Well, I, I wish I could write it down so they could see, but uh, it's Dale J at dreamcs.com. Awesome. Dale J at dreamcs.com. Yes. Awesome. And we'll add that into our show notes as well, too. So. Thank you for giving that. Um, what's a last piece of advice, Dale, that you want to give of why you should be inclusive yeah. in your business? You know, um, and I think I've said this before to you, both of us are Christians. We, we've been in church all of our lives per, pretty much. Um, however, it's sad to say that um, diversity and inclusion in this country haven't been driven by our church. Right. Our church is... We're not the initiator or the driving force in our country. It's been business yeah. right, that have seen the need for, for this and have driven the transformation. And uh, again, as business owners out there, um, man, you, you've got a huge, huge um, responsibility and you know what's the right thing to do. And I think um, if we really put our heads together, we can make a huge difference in this country yeah. as a whole. Um, the country needs us. Mm -hmm. This country needs um, people like Tina Black and, and others that are out there 
um, that know that we're better together, yeah. not left alone. Mm -hmm. And when we believe that uh, with every fiber in our beings, right, we're gonna go out and make a difference in the world. We have that social responsibility, not only from a business perspective, but from a societal perspective as well to make a difference. That if you're in a business that, that, that you're making money um, and taking money from a particular group of people in a society, then you have to embrace your societal responsibility to give back and to make the place better and you got it, right? So whatever you've received, make it better when you leave it, right? So if you're in a particular space and you show up in a community or wherever you show up, make that space better when you go home. And that's what I'll say to you. Dale, I love that. And I always ask myself, is it a good idea or a God idea? And this is a God idea. And so thank you so much, Dale, for helping for us do thank you, better so today. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Bye, Dale. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.